0: Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Mike Tyson. Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where we seek to unravel the mysteries of personal finance. Join us as we help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle with certified financial planner, Dan Caprell. Hello and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. I am your host, Dan Capril, where each and every month we discuss the fact that planning for your financial future is not nearly as complicated as it's been made out to be, especially when you accept reality. And the reality I talk about the most on this show is that the future is not predictable. However, in this particular episode, we're going to discuss because of that why it is so important to plan. Now, as the opening quote indicated, and if you told me years ago, I would ever quote Mike Tyson, I'd tell you you're, you're nuts, but actually he's a pretty smart guy. He, he really is. I mean, if you ever listen to him, I mean, he's not an educated man, but he's not stupid at all. And that's a great quote there. You know, everyone's got a plan until they're, they're punched in the mouth. In other words, yeah, you think everything is going to go smoothly and then suddenly you're met with some adversity and a lot of people just wilt. And what we're going to talk about today is not only the need for planning, but why it's a good fit for some people and why it may not be a fit for others. Because a question that I get asked a lot is, do I need a financial advisor? And obviously, I think everyone expects me to say, yeah, of course you do. But that's not the case. I don't think that at all. I talk a lot about the fact that only about half the people who come into my office do we offer our services to. Now, sometimes they do need an advisor, but we just don't feel we're the right one, but other times, truthfully, they do not need one, and I explain to them why. So we're gonna get into that today, but first, the disclaimer. I don't know you. Well, maybe I do know you, but if I don't, please, don't take anything that I'm about to share with you as direct advice for you. Use it as education, talk about it with your advisor now if you don't have an advisor and you would like for us to be your advisor well we would be more than happy to discuss that it's very easy to do all you want to do is go to www.talktodan.net that's talktodan.net and schedule a 15-minute phone consultation with me and we'll know at the end of 15 minutes if it makes sense to have a second conversation so very low-key you'll go right into my scheduler so you won't even have to talk to anybody right so that's www.talktodan.net all right so let's get on with today's show so as i said before a number of people come into our office every day looking for advice and it surprises some of them when we choose not to offer our services to them it's about half the people that come through Now there's a lot of good reasons for this sometimes i feel that they would not be a good fit working with us translation i don't think we're going to like each other very much other times they may already have a current advisor in place and it makes no sense to me to bring in two advisors i mean it's kind of like having two heart surgeons why would you do that find the one that's right for you and work with that person if you don't think you can trust one person well I don't think trusting three is going to make it any easier. (laughs) So you might be the kind of person who should do this for themselves. There's plenty of information out there. It really comes down to how do you want to spend your time? And do you feel that you can manage your emotions properly to see the plan through? Because as Mike Tyson said, when things aren't going exactly the way you thought they were going to go, well, now those where the plan can fall apart. And that's really where financial advisors earn their keep. When markets are going to go up, 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 you know, we go through those periods of time where they're just constantly going up and everything's great, inflation's low, et cetera. It's really easy to second guess the need for someone to guide you through it because everything you touch seems to be growing in value. But markets don't always go up. And our humanness, our need to avoid pain, and let's face it, when the markets go down, that is painful that gets in the way of our plan. So I have seen people with the best of intentions panic and instead of buying low and sell high, they do the complete opposite. All right. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through a case study using an actual client. Now I'm going to change the names. I'm going to change a number of things to protect the innocent. Obviously confidentiality is incredibly important to us and we're always going to maintain it. But what i want to do is I want to give you a scenario here that really explains the benefits of good planning. And then you can contrast that where somebody may not really need the help of an advisor. So we're gonna call our fictional couple the Parkers. All right, now the Parkers are in their late 50s. They are very eager to retire. They both have had very good careers. One of them was a physician. The other one was a um, corporate executive for one of the the Fortune 500 companies here in Cincinnati. They worked incredibly hard. They have three children and they are now at a point in their life where they would like to slow down. They have a lot of regret about not having been as engaged with their kids lives as they would have liked to be largely because of the demands of work. And so they've had a little bit of an epiphany on this and they're eager now to retire while they they still have a lot of energy. And they want to be much more involved in their children's lives as well as their grandchildren's lives. And I admired them for that because they're starting to see really what this whole thing about life and retirement is really all about. The way he put it to me, I'm going to call him Phil. I'm going to name him after um, the University of Iowa's legendary defensive coordinator, Phil Parker. Okay. And, you know, the way Phil put it to me is he said, look, I don't want to have to worry about a lot of this stuff. I want you to keep me informed, but I want to be able to go through my day to day and not freak out every time the news says that there's, you know, something happening, which I thought was, was a great way to look at it because he knows that when it's all said and done, it's not going to be the size of his portfolio that matters. He's not going to have regrets that he didn't invest in certain things or that he didn't call certain markets. No, it's gonna be about the time that he spent with the people that he really cares about in his life. So knowing that, I thought to myself, well, they are here for a good reason because it's not really to them so much about the numbers. The numbers are important, but there's a quality of life that they want. They've worked many years building up a really impressive net worth, but they don't have a clue as to what to do with it and how to utilize it effectively. Now, when someone comes into my office, and I think this is the reason why only about half the people we offer our services to, is I do kind of put people a little bit on the spot. I don't think I'm really being all that harsh, but one of the questions I ask, and it's a very simple question, but a lot of people have a hard time answering it, is how can I help you? Simple, right? You would be amazed. You would be amazed how many people have trouble answering that question. Some people will say, well, I don't know that you can. To which I respond with, then why are you here? (laughs) Or I'm not sure. Well, something had to motivate you to get in your car, go through traffic on 71 or 275 and get to my office here in Sharonville. Something had to occur. Now, they will open up eventually, but I know that it's difficult sometimes for people to do that with a stranger. It's certainly difficult to show your vulnerability to a stranger. But it's the presence of that vulnerability and the presence of anxiety about money that ultimately is what planning for your financial future is all about. So in their case, one of the very first questions we ask, and we do it on a form when they come into our office, is to rate themselves on a scale of one to 10 as it relates to their financial peace of mind. Now, the Parkers have a sizable net worth. I mean, their liquid net worth is well over $3 million. So you would think, I, I, I would imagine, that they're going to give themselves like a, an 8, a 9, or a 10. Uh-uh. Phil gave himself a 5, and Patty gave him a 6. We had them do it separately. Interesting. Interesting. They made it very clear in our discussions that they really weren't certain, you know, how long that... The money would last. They didn't really know if that was a lot of money. I mean, it seemed like a lot of money, but with inflation, et cetera, they both have very good paying jobs, making well into the six figures. So maintaining their standard of living with $3 million to them was, was a real concern. Very interesting. There was also a concern about markets going down while they were in retirement. They remembered vividly 2007, 2008. They did not want that to happen to them. They were also very concerned about taxation because most of their money had never been taxed. So it's sitting there in 401ks, IRA accounts, those types of things. So the more they talked, the more I listened, and I tried to get a feel for what was important to them. I did ask them this one question that this, their answer will always stick with me. I said, you know, you guys have been great about sharing information with me here today about why you're here. When the two of you are alone, and you talk about leaving work, and being able to spend more time with your kids but the same time not really certain if you have enough money to do it and all the unforeseen obstacles out there when you're talking about that to each other the uncertainty around all this how does that make you feel i mean how is that affecting you personally and patty looked at me and she said Scared as, and I'm not going to swear my podcast, but you know where we're going here, right? (laughs) Scared as excrement. How about that? (laughs) Wow. You know, that was not what you would normally expect somebody with a sizable net worth to say, but there was real fear. So this is exactly why a good financial advisor exists is to help people overcome that anxiety. Because if you don't, what I fear would happen in their case was that they would just keep working. They would just keep working and they would tell themselves that they have to because they just don't have enough. When, when the process was done with them, quite the opposite was revealed. They had more than enough. They were going to be able to do the things that they wanted to do. And once they saw that, well, there was this huge sense of freedom that came upon them. It was really great. It wasn't really as much about the numbers as much as it was the assurance that they were going to be okay. Because of their jobs, and in this case, Patty's job, working for a large uh, Fortune 500 company, she'd been doing a lot of traveling in her life. So much so, her travel goals for the future were minimal. That's what she said. She, had, You know, we've been everywhere I think we'd want to go to. She said, there might be a few places here and there, but... You know, we don't have this ambition to like, you know, spend two months in Italy or, you know, travel the world or anything like that. She says, I think we've seen everything we want to see. She said, no, what I want is the ability to just get into a plane and visit my three kids wherever they may be and not have to worry that I can't stay longer or that I got to fly an airline that I really don't want to fly. She said, I don't have to fly first class. But, you know, I would like to fly Comfort if they're living in California, and I don't want to feel like, you know, I can't go. And Phil was very similar. He said, I just would like to be able to, you know, maintain my golf membership. He says, I never really played a lot when I was working. He said, contrary to what people think, doctors don't always take a day off every week. At least he didn't. And he said, I'd really like to enjoy that more. I'd like to be able to maintain that expense item. He says, it's not cheap, but I'd like to keep it. And there's a few other hobbies I would like to pursue. But again, like Patty, I want to be able to go where the kids go. Two of their three kids are actually fairly accomplished. And they knew that they were not going to be staying in the Cincinnati area or coming back. They weren't even here now. So they knew that they were going to have to fly and they were going to have to be mobile. The third child, though, presented some issues because he has some issues. And that was an area that really had never been examined. He's independent. Don't get me wrong. We're not dealing with a disabled person at all. But it was pretty clear based on the things that they shared with me that, well, let's just say some parental supervision probably is still needed for him. One of their biggest concerns is if something were to happen to them, how would he react and how would he deal with the net worth that he would receive? Because right now, both their attitudes were he won't deal with it well that money will not be well-spent and they had some serious discussions about disinheriting him, which was really sad because they both said they thought they were hurting him by doing that. You know, what would he think? What would he say? Now, of course one of the beauties of good planning is there's no reason to disinherit anybody There's strategies that can be put in place that will make sure that he gets his inheritance, but has to use it in a responsible manner. So we discussed that as potential strategies. Now, what was interesting was they had not updated their estate plan in over 25 years. So when they were doing the estate plan, their biggest concerns back then was who's going to take care of the kids if something happens to us? And now the concerns really were, what are the kids going to do with the money if they receive it too soon? Two of the kids, they said, oh, they'll just invest it. Not even a concern. But the third one. Well, they have no doubt it would help them financially, and they're afraid that they won't use it properly. And I think you can use your imagination as to where they're going with that concern. I think we've all known people, may have mineral family, etc. All right. So that was a big issue. Another big issue was Patty's mother was is in a nursing home. She has Alzheimer's. It's very expensive. And naturally, they don't want... Their children to have to deal with that. And they had admittedly, and which is kind of weird since Phil is a physician, they really had never discussed this. I really even had planned for it. How do we pay for it? If it were to happen, you know, what are the factors involved? And again, when I would ask them the fact that they hadn't, how does that make them feel? Again, came this issue of fear. When somebody is that open about, the anxiety that they have about money, that's the perfect person to work with an advisor, a good advisor. Because a good advisor understands that that's what it's all about. We don't have crystal balls. We don't know what markets are going to do before they will do them. Any advisor who tells you that he has some algorithm or access to an algorithm that predicts market returns, I'm sorry. He's either naive or he's lying to you. Because the academic evidence is overwhelming that that doesn't exist, that the news of the day is unpredictable, and as a result, markets react to news. So if the news of the day is unpredictable and markets react to news, by default, markets are unpredictable. The challenge here is for you, any investor, to not only accept that, but when markets go down that you don't panic that you understand that there's part of your money set aside for short term and that there's part of your money that should be set aside for long term. This assumes you do it properly and that's exactly what a good advisor will do. Now, another interesting thing that came up in our discussion was the use of annuities. If you're in your fifties, sixties, seventies, even your eighties, no doubt, almost every week, You get an invitation in the mail to go to some local steakhouse, Ruth's Chris, Jeff Ruby's, on a lesser case, maybe the Montgomery Inn, for a free dinner. And it's being hosted by a financial advisor who will explain to you not only what they do, but how you can have a guaranteed retirement income. They always like to use that word income. And a lot of people go to these, some going just for the meal. Others will go because they, you know, they really feel that the timing is right and they need to know something about this. All right. So first of all, I want to emphasize that I am product agnostic. There are different products for different things. It always comes down though to the individual, what's important to the individual. Today, very few people have pension plans. Most of us, if not all of us, have access to Social Security benefits. If you are not eligible for Social Security, like, for example, you're a school teacher, then by default, you probably have a pension plan that's guaranteed. So most of us have a certain level of guaranteed income as retirement just living in in the United States. But for someone like the Parkers, the amount of money that they're gonna receive in social security benefits is relatively small compared to the standard of living that they wanna have. So they're going to have to access the three million plus of liquid money to give themselves the type of retirement that they want. The question that Patty asked me was, I've been reading a lot about making this money a guaranteed income stream that, you know, we could basically set it up. So that's almost like a pension plan. Does that make sense to do? And the answer is, well, it depends, but I wanted them to understand that. First of all, they had a level of guaranteed income and that if they were to elevate that, and this is what is often talked about at these dinner seminars, that in fact, they would be in giving away their, their money to an insurance company. And in return, they would receive a guaranteed income stream for life, but the insurance company has a very good idea how long they're likely to live. And in many cases, the amount of money that the insurance company will give back to these people is very close to the amount of money they gave to the insurance company. And chances are, there won't be any inheritance from that money. Guarantees are great, but they're very, very expensive. And sometimes they're too expensive, but they are sold quite effectively because it's very easy to motivate people with fear. So I kind of talked a little bit about that. I talked about, you know, what surrounds them. I said they weren't necessarily bad, but you just need to understand there's a huge cost for guarantees. You already have a level of guarantee in there. But if that's ultimately what it would take for you to sleep well to know that, okay, I'm gonna give a large chunk of my money to an insurance company. They'll give me an income stream that I cannot outlive. Chances are that income stream won't grow every year, but I can at least have that. If it's enough to meet their needs, fine. That's an option. But it would have resulted in less of an inheritance. In their case, inheritance, at least for the one child, was important. No, they they were not convinced he was gonna handle it well. But once I assured them that there were strategies and structures that could be put in place to minimize his control of that money, well, that was a big relief because they felt that he would never earn the amount of money that the other two kids had. And therefore they wanted to make sure that they were leaving something for him. What was interesting is through this conversation and like a lot of the conversations that I have with prospective clients is that I didn't do a whole lot of talking. I just asked questions. And sometimes when they ask me questions, I ask questions back like, well, is there a particular reason why you're asking that? Because what I'm trying to do is get to really what's at the root of the issue here. What is the worry? What is the concern? If the individual is just about the numbers, I made 8% last year and I wanna make nine, or I want an advisor who can successfully determine when markets are gonna move. If that's what someone is looking for, We're not the firm for them because, I hate to say it, those expectations are irrational expectations. You are setting yourself up for failure. It's like marrying somebody in your 20s and expecting them to always look like they looked in their 20s, even when they're 60. It's not going to happen. (laughs) And it's the same when it comes to hiring an advisor. Unfortunately, a lot of advisors will take you on saying, eh, sure, we'll give you higher rates of return. And that's probably why a lot of investors, most investors, make major changes every three years because the promises made were not promises kept. At best, what an advisor can do for you is show you the range of returns you're likely to fall in and show you through stress testing whether or not that range of returns is likely to produce the result you need. Also, keep in mind, too, though, that it's going to require adjusting as you go. You could see with the Parkers, they weren't talking about numbers. They were talking about the things they wanted to do, some of the regrets they had in life, some of the things they were hoping to do to offset those regrets. In essence, if I dare say, a peace of mind that they were trying to seek. And they wanted to know, could we have it? And that's why the Parkers are an ideal client for me and for probably any financial advisor out there. What they're looking for is a sense of freedom, and that's what good holistic planning will do for you, or at least it should. It will first help you to determine how much money can you have every year of your life without running out, given a reasonably long life expectancy. It will show you how you should invest that money so that you get the returns that you need. And we'll show you the pros and cons of the strategy. The guaranteed approach. Hey, you get the check every month. Can't outlive it. The non-guaranteed approach. Well, it could be more, it could be less. You have to decide. Now, when it comes to non-guarantees, let's just understand something. Markets as a whole over time have always moved up, but in the short run, not necessarily the case. So it's important that your portfolio reflect both. A well-designed portfolio will do that for you. Third area, taxes. You know, in the case of the Parkers, all that money has yet to be taxed. We discussed that. We discussed strategies that we could put in place to take advantage of the current tax code before they retired so that a lot of their money when they do retire is not subjected to taxation but can still grow. And when it's left to their heirs, no tax will be owed then either. Risk management, big part. You know, they don't need life insurance anymore, the Parkers. They had a lot. And keeping it, it's a nice luxury. But if they want, they could use that life insurance and the cash value surrounding that life insurance. So that's a part of that life insurance. They could use that in some ways to offset a far bigger concern custodial care. Exactly what Patty's mom was going through. And then lastly, estate planning. How do we make sure your estate plan allows you to not only take care of yourself, but make sure your heirs are properly taken care of the way that you want. So there one son who is not a good handler of money. How do we structure the estate plan so that he gets his, but in a reasonable way and in a way that's not going to create any bitterness amongst the rest of the family. And those are all the things that we did. So after that first meeting, they came in and we did a design meeting. And I showed them the direction their current plan was going because quite frankly, if they had everything already in place, maybe they just didn't know it. So we showed them the direction that they are currently heading in all of those areas and we let them decide if the strategy that they were currently in was optimal or not. If it wasn't optimal, we showed them alternatives. And with each of those alternatives, we show them the upside and the downside to them. When that design meeting was done, then we wrote the plan. And you know what was interesting? It was their plan. It wasn't my plan. It was their plan. They came up with the recommendations just as much as I did. All I did was facilitate the conversation. So then we wrote the plan. I did. And then I met with them again about a week later and presented it to them. Now, one of the things they noticed is when I gave them the plan, you know, they, they kind of laughed because I told them, I said, if you want, if you have trouble sleeping at night, you can read it because I knew they already knew what was in the plan. So instead I gave them the recommendations. They said, look, let's just focus on the recommendations. If we need to get into the nitty gritty of the plan, we will, we did a lot of the nitty gritty in your design meeting. What's kind of cool about that approach is it really helps the client understand the process, understands the rationale behind what we're recommending. Cause they were there when we did the analysis during the design meeting so we did that we went over the recommendations and then we discussed what things we were going to implement what things we weren't going to implement and now we work with them long term so i hope this was helpful because again i get that question a lot do i need an advisor and to me the first question is why do you think you might need one and if it's because well because i don't sleep well at night worried that i could run out of money during retirement well yeah that's probably a good starting point Or, you know, I just don't want to have to deal with that stuff. You know, I'd rather have somebody else do it because I don't think I can stay abreast of everything that's out there. But if someone says, you know what? No, I really enjoy doing this, but maybe I can get an extra 1% somewhere else. No, that's not a good reason to do it. It's funny because a lot of neighbors will seek me out and I don't take neighbors on as clients. I don't want to run into them. I'd rather be their friends. I don't want to run into them during bear markets and you know, wonder if they're thinking, you know, what's he thinking? Is he he mad the markets went down and I didn't call it, even though I told him I don't do that type of thing. So usually when someone starts bringing that up in conversation, I'll start asking them, well, do you work with somebody now? And they'll say, no, 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 I handle it myself and I really like it. Well, then there's no reason to see an advisor. I think maybe in those cases, they're hoping to pick my brain a little bit for free, but yeah, we don't get too far with that. The conversation quickly gets changed to sports where I'm happy to give them my opinion. So I hope this helped. I hope this gives you a more simplified perspective on the financial planning process. It'll certainly, I think, help you decide if you need an advisor in your life. I mean, there's other reasons, but I think at the end of the day, it gets down to, well, in fact, I know. It gets down to this issue of sleeping better at night and knowing more about your situation, keep being kept advised of your situation, but having the freedom not to focus on it every single day and knowing that the obstacles that are out there are being addressed for you. So for today's podcast, I've provided you with a number of downloads regarding effective planning. There's also some information I've provided on how we structure a client's portfolio to meet certain target dates when they might consume the money, a bucket strategy, if you will, and I've provided that also. So the way that you get that is go to our website, MatsonandCapril.com and click on uh, podcasts. And today's episode is called Meet the Parkers. So click on that, and that'll take you to the downloads. Get the downloads, and they'll give you everything that you need to know, well, about planning. It won't give you everything you need to know, I should take that back. But it will give you a lot of (laughs) insights about planning, the planning process. And again, if this is something that you'd like to talk to me about, it's very simple. Just go to talktodan.net, that's talktodan.net schedule a 15-minute phone conversation with me, and we'll get a feel for whether or not it makes sense to go forward and maybe make you like the Parkers. All right, take care. Talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit MatsonandCapril.com And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle.